Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Big sports story this morning. John Rahm. It's being reported. I think the Wall Street Journal may have been the first with it. Uh, more likely than not, leaving the PGA Tour to join Live Golf for up to potentially $600 million. Uh, jumping on with us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, is our good friend Steve Sands. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. First of all, what was it like last week in the Bahamas with Tiger back? And just speak to real quickly before we get to Rom, what you expect Tiger's schedule to be. It was great being back there, Kevin. Uh, thanks for having us on. It was it was great to see him. Oh, the dog's uh, barking here. Uh, that's Cookie, by the way, named after Jack Kent Cook, by the way, the greatest <laughs> owner in the history of sports. That's our dog, Cookie, going nuts. Um, that's a so, rec- How old's the dog? The dog is uh, almost 11, sadly. I am. Uh, I think I love that dog more than I love my children. I, I, I can't stand the thought of the dog not being with I us. I know. I know. Well, old. is the dog healthy? Is Cookie healthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cookie's doing great. But, you okay. know, as we were talking about this last night. We are like, man, Cookie's going to be 11 here. We're going to start, you know, thinking of a game plan. It's not good. It's but, not I mean, good to, to name Cookie in 2012 after Jack Kent Cook, that must have been really at the at a level of frustration with Dan Snyder that you just had to you had to think about the glory days. That level of frustration with Daniel Snyder has been going on for the better part of 24 years. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, where do we begin? Um, I mean, I, I listen to you and Tommy all the time on the podcast, and I don't listen to the radio as often as I as I would like to, time wise, but. Uh, I get on your shows as often as I can, and, and everything you say, I agree with. <laughs> I mean, that guy is the devil, but he's behind us. And yeah, he's behind us. Ends and everything moves forward, I think we'll be all right. This is a all right, so back, anyway. so back to Tiger. How how often are we going to see him this year? Uh, well, first of all, it was great to see him last week. He looked big, Kevin. Did you watch? God, him? he looked he big. Looked like a middle linebacker. Um, he, really he really did. Jacked. Is yeah, he, he jacked, really jacked or is he overweight? Both. Oh, no, no. I don't, he's not overweight. He's jacked. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw him coming in. You know those shots we always put on TV of the, the guys arriving from their car to the locker room and they're wearing a, you know, the workout outfit or whatever? When you see him, man, he's jacked, man. And uh, I talked to him for a long time last week a few times, and he's doing well. Uh, he's sore. Um, you know, that's a lot of rust to shake off. Hadn't played in almost seven months. And the short game was a little bit you know, rough just because of the rust. Uh, the swing is there. The swing speed is there. And I, I think that 
you know, he learned last week that he can go 72 holes on those legs and on that back and all the injuries that he's had and all the surgeries he's had to overcome. But I think he, you know, stamina is an issue, Kevin. He needs to be able to finish rounds. You can't get tired on 13 and 14 and then expect to play high-level golf against these kids. The next five or six holes have got to be able to be finished strongly, and he wasn't able to do that over the course of the four days in the Bahamas. So moving forward, I think we'll see him. You know, he, his goal is about once a month, and the schedule is set up that way. If you remember, Kevin, when the FedEx Cup playoffs and the PGA Championship all moved around, the PGA moved back to May a few years ago. So now right. his event at Riviera in, on the West Coast, the last event of the West Coast swing, uh, is the Genesis Invitational that um, all the money, all the proceeds go to his foundation. It's his event. I think he'll play there. Now, I'm presuming he's healthy. So presuming that that, he's healthy, That's in February, right? That's in February. I, I don't think he'll play Will he January. play Torrey Pines? I don't think so, Kevin, because I think I think that he knows certain courses just aren't good for him anymore, his game anymore. Even though he's won there a hundred times, he's won Firestone a hundred times, he's won Bay Hill a hundred times. He's not the same player, not the same athlete, not the same condition, not the same golfer uh, that he was years ago when he was dominating. So I don't think he'll play. Uh, it's Hawaii, Hawaii, then it's the California Desert, the American Express, and then Torrey Pines before going to Scottsdale and then Pebble and then Riviera. I think we'll see him at Riviera. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the middle of February. I think we'll see him at the Players. That's the middle of March. I think we'll see him at Augusta. That's the second week in April. So wait we'll a minute. You, you th- you, we won't see him at Bay Hill. We'll see him at the, we won't see him back-to-back <laughs> Bay Hill and the Players. Is that back-to-back? I'm not even sure. It's back-to-back this year. It's it, After Riviera – it's the Mexico Open, and then the Honda. What well, was the Honda Classic? The one in Palm Beach, uh, different That's sponsor now, and yeah. and then they're very tough. And then Bay Hill, which is obviously a tough venue as well, but he's had so much success there. And then the players. So back to back, I think is not in the offing right now for okay. him uh, physically. So, so Riviera, the players Riviera. in March. Yep, Augusta, and then the Masters, right? The PGA Championship um, is being played at Valhalla which is where he won a PGA championship in that playoff over Bob May, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, incredible finish there uh, a long time ago. And then that's May. Maybe, maybe we'll see him at Jack's event two weeks later, which is two weeks prior to the U.S. Open. I give that a maybe. He's won there a million times, and he wants to kiss the ring of Jack. He understands the importance of playing in these types of events because he hosts an event in Riviera, and he wants players to get there to raise as much money as possible and as much awareness as possible for the sponsor. So after the PGA, two weeks after that is the Memorial. I'll put that as a maybe. Again, I'm assuming he's healthy enough to be able to do this. And then there's the U.S. Open at Pinehurst, and then there's the Open Championship. That's Father's Day weekend at Pinehurst. And then the Open Championship is a Royal Troon in July. And then, you know, from August on, who knows? But that's what he would like to do over the course of the first six, seven months of the season. Well, that certainly then wouldn't be enough, right, to, unless he wins, to get him into the FedEx, you know, end of the summer run. No, he would need to. That's the other thing, Kevin. You know, the FedEx Cup playoffs are three weeks in a row. He, he, yeah. can't, he literally can't play three weeks in a row. And, yeah. like, literally physically can't do it. So I don't think he's won the FedEx Cup title twice. 
it is a major goal for these guys. There's no question about it. The four major championships, the players and the FedEx, uh, the, the biggest things on the PGA Tour right now. But I don't think that's the goal. His goal is to either A, win another major championship, that would be 16, or B, and maybe it's the other way around, because I think 83 is more attainable than 16. He's tied right now right. with Sam Snead for the most wins in the history of the PGA Tour with 82. I think 83 is more attainable than a 16th major championship because I just don't think he plays often enough to be able to win one of those major championships. Now, having said that, the 83 would be more attainable, Kevin. And this is just my opinion. Go play Hilton Head. Go play the California Desert, uh, the American Express. Go play Wailai Country Club, the Sony Open in Hawaii. Go play Colonial. Play courses that you don't normally play in your schedule. Now, that would take a, a, a pride hit, maybe. Um, he's used to going to Torrey Pines, Bay Hill, Muirfield Village, Firestone, these, these monster courses where he's dominated. You know, you got to curb your game a little bit as you move along in your career. And I think his 83rd win would be more attainable than a 16th major championship victory, especially if he would change his schedule just a little bit. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think the events that we just talked about are the ones that are on his are his stated goals in 2024. Where, where did Ricky win last year? Was it Minnesota? When he won uh, for the first time in forever? The Rocket, the Rocket Mortgage. Oh, it was Detroit. Detroit. Oh, it was Rocket Mortgage. That's Detroit, right? Yep, in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Yeah. You're right. It's like that kind of an event, right? That he'd have to yeah, just suck it up saying. and. Yeah. And 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 by the way, Kevin, these are not discounted events. They're full no. field PGA Tour events. What it is, right. It's not even the field. It's the golf course. Look, having seen him up close and personal, watching him compete last week, flat golf course. Only 19 other guys in the field, and, and the easiest walk you could possibly have. And remember, these guys are walking. It, it, people poo-poo that in professional golf, but go ahead and do that five, six days a week, seven days a week for 30, 35 weeks a year, and see how you right. feel. You know, it's not easy. And by the way, you're also practicing and hitting balls and blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. So, what? What? After seeing him last week, I just don't think that a U.S. Open, a PGA Championship are in the offing for him. I, I just don't see it. Those courses are brutal. The rough is thick. They're long. They have undulations to them. Augusta National is the hilliest walk he will have all year. Kevin, yeah. I don't think he can do that for four, five, six straight days. I just don't think he can do it physically. I think he can get around the golf course perfectly fine. But physically, can he take that test on his lower half? And I just don't think he can do that. So then you have the Open Championship. That's weather predicated. He's better off in warm, humid weather, gets him loose as opposed to cool and windy and rainy conditions, but the golf course is flat. So who knows about the Open Championship? To me, it's those other events we talked about, like the Rocket Mortgage. That golf course would be perfect for him. It's not the field or the sponsor. It's about the golf course. And Torrey Pines is a monster. Kevin Bay Hill is a monster. Muirfield Village is a monster. You know, that, 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 those are for young and healthy guys, man. You know, he's a great, great player, obviously, still. Well, Muirfield, Mil- Muirfield is a, a, a brutal walk. And by the way, I just pulled up the schedule. The Memorial is one week. It's the week before the Open. It's not it two weeks before the, the Open. It leads up to the U.S. Open? Yeah. It, I mean, the schedule I'm looking at is June 6th 
the through the night the memorial, and then June thirteenth oh, a yeah, week later. Right. You know, you're right. The calendar so flips. He's so not going to go back Sundays. to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right because there are five Sundays in June. The third Sunday is Father's Day, and that means the memorial slides back. You're right. So. I, it's, he's not doing back-to-back weeks. He's not doing Bay Hill and the players. He's not doing the Memorial and the U.S. Open. He physically just can't do it anymore, and, and he understands that. And, and he understands his body better than anybody, clearly. But back-to-back weeks, Kevin, is, is asking a lot physically, not mentally. Still, though, this is nice. Mean, this is a nice... I think a bit of a surprise, maybe you guys in the sport saw it coming, just that he's going to be more active playing and not, you know, like you said, maybe he plays Riviera, players, Masters, PGA, maybe he, you know, fits in another. Just the idea that that it's possible we're going to see him more regularly, it's great for the sport. So now let's talk about John Rahm as Steve Sands is joining us on the show. So... I mean, you tell me, but this was a guy that was you, you thought would never take the money and go when everybody was jumping. So what's going on with John Rahm? I think he's jumping, and I think that it's going to be announced later today. I'm hearing around the 6.30 hour Eastern time uh, on this Thursday. Um, and I think that if the rumors are true about the 450 to $600 million, I don't know about you, Kevin. I have never been slid across. I've never sat across from someone at a desk and had them slide a nine-figure check to me. So I'm not sure if I could turn that down as well. Of course not. I've always said this, Kevin. You and I have talked about this on the air, uh, and we've talked about it off the air. I don't blame these guys for taking the money. I think it's their prerogative to do as they wish, just like it is for anybody else. And I think that people who say anything otherwise, I personally think is just wrong. However, I wouldn't do it if I was a high-level competitor because, for instance, Victor Hovland won the FedEx Cup this year, was as good as anybody, didn't win a major, but was as good as anybody in 2023. His total take on the golf course, not sponsorships, on the golf course, $37.1 million dollars. So if you are a competitor and you are one of the best players in the world, I would rather compete against the best in the world and not go to a tour that plays 54 holes in shorts with music blaring and a shotgun start. Having said that, I've never been offered that kind of money before. So I don't blame them for taking the money. I just think they're cashing in literally and figuratively. And I also think competitively, they're basically saying, I'm good. Thanks. Is this a bl- how big of a blow is this to the PGA Tour? It's a big one. Um, you know, John Rahm is one of the three best players in the world and has been for quite some time. He is a great, great player, a big presence on the PGA Tour. And John plays kind of angrily. He kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. And that is for a couple of reasons. One is his personality. He's a tough guy. He's a good guy, smart guy. He's a good guy and a smart guy, but he is tough, man. He is tough. And he shows that on the golf course. But one of the other reasons is, is it's never really been his tour, even though he's one, two, three in the world, the last, whatever, four or five years, he's won a couple of majors. It's Jordan's tour. It's Justin's tour. It's Rory's tour. It's Colin's tour. It's Scotty's tour. It's Ricky's tour. It's never been his tour. And I think, 
after all that's taken place, even with what he said about Liv and didn't want to go, wants to play the best in the world, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, I think that that chip on his shoulder, he's probably like, they're offering me this much money, and it's never going to be my tour no matter what. Why not just take the money and see what happens? I'm good in the majors for a long, long time. You know, he won the match. He's a reigning Masters champion, so he's good for life for the Masters. He won the U.S. Open a couple of years ago at Torrey Pines, so he's good for the next five years at least in the major championships. It, it's, a, it's the right time for him to do it. I just wish he wasn't doing it. Whatever happened, Steve, to the you know the big story now, I don't know, four months ago, five months ago, about the merger between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour, that seemed to crumble, or did I miss more substantial developments since? Nope, that's exactly right. June 6th, RBC Canadian Open, it was a Tuesday, uh, and all hell broke loose in the golf world because Jay Monahan. Um, from the PGA Tour, he's the commissioner, and Yasser, who is the guy who runs the PIF fund uh, for Saudi Arabia, went on CNBC and decided to say, unbeknownst to almost every single person except for maybe a couple on the board of the PGA Tour, but certainly no players, including Tiger and Rory, that they weren't going to merge, but there was going to be a partnership and a deal, a framework deal was in place, and they would have to have it completed by December 31st. That deal is not going to be completed because things have crumbled a little bit in that regard. Tiger got involved. Um, a lot of other people and sponsors got involved. There's private equity now, uh, perhaps being offered up to the PGA Tour players as an option to going the Saudi Arabia route and the PIF fund money. Uh, and one of the things that's huge, and that's more to your point about the last thing we talked about with John Rahm, Kevin, they agreed on June 6th that they would not poach or recruit players right. from the PGA Tour. To go to live well clearly that's not taking place so it's it it has been a lot of chatter the last few weeks in golf and who the live tour folks have tried to recruit uh it looks like they've reeled in john rom i've been told it's going to be announced here uh later this afternoon like i said about 6 30 p.m eastern time on thursday so uh, they tried other guys the other guys said no for now and we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But it's a big loss for the PGA Tour. John Rahm is a great, great player. And you're talking about Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm. You're talking about big-time stars, yeah, major champions. And also, Kevin, they are draws, you know, and they are depth-of-field guys. You start losing those guys and bring in three, four, five other players who aren't as well-known, well, the product isn't nearly as good you can make a strong case as it was a couple of years ago. And that's a problem for the PGA tour. So they need to get a hold of this pretty quickly. If they lose someone other than John in that stardom, uh, that's, that's going to be a problem. By the way, one quick thing. And then I know you want to talk and I want to, I want to talk with you about um, our football team here and maybe anything else here locally that you want to talk about. Um, But I was glad to see Justin Thomas play well at the hero. I know it's a limited field, uh, but he played, very well, and I, I mean, that was a rough summer for a player that, you know, we th- we thought would never – I mean, I guess players go through slumps, but that was a rough stretch where he was missing cut after cut, and when he was making it, he was barely making it. So I, th- that was nice to see him play well last week. Kevin, I remember about a year ago talking to – Justin's a great kid. You would love him. Huge yeah, sports Scott fan. Scott said he's I, one of the best. Like you both have uh, said that over the years, yeah. All-time great. 
uh, great kid, great player, big sports fan. You can talk to him about anything. He's, he's a great kid. You'd love him. Uh, I remember a year ago, we were walking a fairway. And I forget where it was, but I remember walking a fairway with him, and he had dropped to eighth in the world in the official world golf ranking. And he was furious, man. He's like, this is ridiculous. This is a joke. Well, now he's 27th going into wow. last week. So he had a pretty big fall. Now, there are ebbs and flows to everyone's career. Justin Thomas is a world-class player, and I would have taken him on the Ryder Cup team if I was Zach Johnson because he's Justin Thomas. Now, having said that, he struggled. He struggled big time, as you said. Didn't even qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs. At the end of the season, Kevin, he wasn't even qualified for the first two signature events in 2024 on the PGA Tour. Now, he's rectified that. He did play well last week. He's worked his butt off, which you know he was going to. He's one of the all-time great competitors out there. And I think Justin is primed to have a big year. And last week proved that the work he's put in is really starting to, you know, get to the golf course from the range to the course. And in a competitive sense, like you said, only 20 guys. It's kind of it's a December silly season event. I get all that. But it's still competitive golf for him. And I think it was a good sign for him to play well last week. Uh, I know he desperately wanted to win. But I think seeing good signs of his game was equally as important to him as perhaps even getting to the finish line at a December event. All right. Um, so I'll ask you because it's, uh, you know, we – we can all assume, and I know that you've listened and, and you and you've been talking to everybody. You and I talk uh, as well, uh, and we're part of a group, several group texts, I believe. But anyway, you, we <laughs> yeah. all, we don't need to talk about Ron Rivera and the current staff. It, there's going to be massive change when the season right. ends. But the biggest player or roster decision is going to be Sam Howell, or you're going to be in the top four. It looks like top five, worst case, probably or draft a quarterback. So where are you right now? What's your position on that? Well, first of all, a couple of days ago, I forget, I think it was a couple of days ago, Tommy said something brilliant to you. Um, and I totally agree with him, and so did you. The guys haven't quit on Ron. The guys have quit on the season. That's a big distinction. I think that needs to be said because, as, as all of us know, Ron is not going to be coaching next season uh, in Washington. But I do think, he came in with honor in a horrible situation, and I want him to leave with honor as well. And I think people need to understand they're not quitting on Ron. I don't think that they would do that. I think they're quitting on the season. If that no, makes I agree any with sense. that. I think, Tommy, I think Tommy was correct. So yeah. if I if, if the Skins go five, of course, the Commanders go four and thirteen, and they end up with a third, fourth, fifth pick, third, fourth. It can't be lower than well, four. If they go four and thirteen, fourth. it won't be worse than fourth. Exactly. So. If they're third, three, four, and May, Williams, and uh, uh, Jaden Daniels are available, and a real a real GM, which we're going to have, a coach, scouting department, player personnel department, if that all comes to fruition the way it's supposed to, I think they're going to go after the quarterback if they like the quarterback because I just don't think they think Sam Howe can reach that top 10 level. I think Sam Howe could be that 10 to 15 guy, but I don't think he can be the top 10 guy, which everyone in the NFL seems to think you have to have to be able to make a Super Bowl run. So I think if they end up 4-13, and 13, I just don't want them to win the Jets game, and I need the Cowboys to win this Why do you want them to win the Jets game? 
No, no, I said I don't want them. I, oh. We just don't want them to win the Jets game, and right, we right, need right. that Cowboys game at the end of the season to mean to something for Dallas. So Dallas yeah. needs to win this Sunday night against Philadelphia to right. at least ensure that. So we need Dallas to be playing hard last, the last week of the year, and we need the Jets to beat us because uh, I don't think we're going to go to L.A. and win. I think San Francisco might hang 70 on us um, if they wanted to. So I think they're going <laughs> to go you, to one Do of you those. agree with me? Because I know you've listened. When, I, when Tommy and I were talking about and Denton and I have talked about it on the radio show, that this season, if they do lose out and they lose out in sort of the same fashion they've lost the last few games, that just the standalone season, not the brightness at the end of the tunnel because Snyder's gone, et cetera, not that you know there's some promise with a young quarterback, but just the season alone will be one of the all-time worst. I was listening to what you guys were saying as I was working out yesterday, and I couldn't believe that 13 losses was A, available to us this year, and B, that 13 losses would be the most in the history of the franchise. Now, there's one extra game now. I understand that, but it's still, to your premise, I think if they go 4-13 and 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 they've lost a million to nothing here in the last three, three games, at least the last two games, if this continues, I agree with you. I think it's the worst. I think it's the worst season in the history of the franchise. And here's the crazy thing, Karen. And Ron said this the other day, and I love Ron as a person, and I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's great, uh, but I think he's a really good coach, a really good guy. Um, he said something the other day about one player or the other with Miami. I mean, give me a break. Miami's, Miami, if Mike McDaniel doesn't take his foot off the gas, they right. would have hung up 60 or 70 on us. I yep. get that. I don't know what Ron was saying there, but it doesn't matter. I can't imagine being Ron right now. I, I feel terrible for him. But the Philadelphia game at Philadelphia – the season turned on him deciding not to go for the win there. You have to go for the win there. First of all, we were still alive for a lot of things. Second of all, you had a team on the ropes by just scoring, last play of the game, go for the win. Third, you're telling your guys what you're thinking and your aggressiveness and how you are and what you make of them. And you're a huge underdog playing at the link. Go for the win there. If we get that two-point conversion, Kevin, I don't think we're having this conversation right now. I truly believe that. Really? I think there would have been a confidence level that would have risen. They would not have traded the two edge rushers they had. What if they didn't make it? What if they didn't make it and lost and lost the game? Do you still think it would have been a positive? Yes, I totally think it's a positive. In fact, I would have called timeout there if they had – I don't remember, but if they had a timeout, I would have called timeout there, and I would have called everybody over, offense, defense, special teams. I would have raised the hand up in the air and said, fellas, we're going to get three yards here, and you're going to get us an effing win, and we're going to move along to next week with a ton of momentum beating the best team in football in their building. Now go get me three yards, and let's get out of here with a W. And, like, I mean – to me, that's a no-brainer when you're an underdog on the road and have a team on the ropes like that. Not a few weeks later when there were 50 seconds left. But when it's left... Well, yeah, that was... Anybody win, that thinks they should have gone for two there, that that, that was an absolute no, don't-go-for-two situation. Of course. That, yeah. that's, that's stupid. You shouldn't think yeah. that. But last play of the game, for sure. Come on, man. You're not the you know, favorite at home and playing great defense and trying to choke down the other team. You're trying to get a big upset and rally your guys. 
To me, that was a big mistake, and I bet you anything, if you and I were sitting there having a beer with Ron and he could take that one decision back, if he was really being honest, he wished he would have gone for it there. I wish he would have. I think everybody else wished he would have too. So my position at the time was if he'd gone for it and they had to play great, but I understood why he didn't, and the reason was, yes, big underdog, but that's not the game they were in. They were in a game that had been played between two teams that on that day were pretty damn equal. And I I actually thought that the condensed field worked against them because they had been picking apart Philadelphia's secondary in space. And by the way, we've seen it the rest of the year with Philadelphia's secondary. You can really attack that secondary. And I just thought it was giving you know Slay and Bradbury and company more of an advantage to, to stop them. I mean, it doesn't mean they were going to throw yeah. the football. Um, but they had uh, if Terry, if 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 that Terry catch, remember that Terry catch catch down oh, yeah. the sideline. If that oh, thing's yeah. called complete and not out of bounds, it it would have held. And I, I, they were so close to moving down the field anyway. But look, I was I would have been fine had they felt confident about the play, et cetera. Because that that's the thing. You know, I, I actually have had recent conversations about just the whole two point thing with with different analytics people about it. It's not just the numbers. It can't be. It's got to be before the week. You've got these are the plays that we think will work two-point plays. And in the NFL, some weeks, teams go into a matchup and they they don't feel as good about their two-point plays. In some games, they feel really good about one, but they used it on a fourth and two late in the third quarter. And so these are the of things that when you get to those moments, we don't know. You know, we don't. Yeah, we don't no, I'm know. With, I'm, Maybe, with you on, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on all of that. I think. Look, I'm old and I'm old school, and I just can't stand the analytics. Not because I don't believe in science. Well, the analytics there, I think, yeah. was to go for it for sure with well, zero but, time but on the, the clock. Pro- but the yeah. problem with analytics, the problem with analytics, the the data, the science. I'm all for it. Go ahead. But the problem with analytics is that human beings are playing. There's momentum. There's situations. There's weather. There's the the side of, of the course. field. There's with, yeah. the venue. There's it, none of that can be punched into a computer. So, like I said, I've never given a halftime speech or given a speech on the field. But I'm calling those guys. I've never. I'm calling those guys over. And I'm calling the whole team over. Make a big huddle around me and just go nuts for 30 seconds and say, give it to me. And All right, so what would their know, record be had they gone for the two missed or made right now? They've played 13 uh, games. They're 4-9. Oh, and nine. I know they're 4-9. and nine. I think right now they would have at least – I think they would have seven wins and be alive. Wow. And remember, wow. The, the Rams well, – they come One on, play. Bears, the, yes, because – I think confidence matters, and I think the belief matters. And I, I'm not trying to be goofy, but I really What if they had won in overtime? Like Would that okay. have nullified the decision not to go for two? Yeah, of course. Of course. That's right. Okay. Yes. In hindsight, yes. 100%. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you never know. But, I mean, they lost to the Giants twice. They lost to the Bears. I mean, good God, they've been terrible. And I just, you know, as a buddy of mine from Philly told me, 
why is it that they suck so bad but play great against us? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I want to – but you could – matchups are everywhere. So, for some reason, we've played – that. we beat them last year when Heineke had that beautiful play when he went down at the end of the game. Sucker Graham into hitting him late, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I don't know what it is about the matchup between the Skins and the Eagles, but the Skins and Eagles match up pretty well now. You know, you start trading away guys and, and losing your defense, losing your confidence, giving up the season. The guys are obviously thinking a little differently now than they were a month and a half ago. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, plays matter, man. You know, like things matter. All kinds of – what if Joe Gibbs doesn't go for it on fourth and one against the Dolphins in the Super Bowl and decides to do something else there instead of handing it off to Riggins who goes in for the biggest play, most famous play in the history of the franchise? You know, like there's – one play can matter. Now, it wouldn't have mattered against the Dolphins, like Ron said, but one play can truly matter for the psyche of a team. Just my opinion. You're the the best. Better last night, Kevin. They looked better. Yeah, I was there. After the first 10 minutes when I was about to throw my TV in the the pool, Mm -hmm. they looked better the last 30 minutes. Yeah, they got to, we we, got to find some more scoring. That's for sure. I don't Um, get it. What's going on there with the shooting? (laughs) <laughs> it's bad. I, I mean, mean I think what uh, they they um uh, they they had, they had 23 offensive rebounds last night and that yeah. was basically their offense for all intents and purposes is going and chasing down, you know, it's funny like when you have a bad shooting team and you know, you're not so concerned about getting back on defense consistently, you just say, well, one way to generate offense is just to send everybody to the glass cuz we know the shot's yeah. going to miss and try to grab grab yeah. a rebound. And and exactly. put it back up. Um, well, yeah, quick, I think Harris Smith yeah. and Kaiser can they play? Yeah, of course. I, I think you know they're both so. freshmen. So. Kaiser t- last night was the most encouraging for me because they're gonna need him to you know take those open threes. He's their best three point shooter. And he's got, you know, he was two for seven, but they all looked good at least coming off his hand. And I said at the beginning of the show, Steve. Dante's got to he's got to step up offensively. They have to have a uh, uh, Dante's got to average 12 to 14 points a game as their third leading scorer or it's going to be a real struggle in the Big Ten. And I think he's capable of it. Of course he's capable of it. He's got to be better than that. And by the way, I think Kaiser's a good shooter too. I think Harris Smith is a very good athlete who's going to become a very good college basketball player. You know, I think I have no issues there and I think Kevin's the right guy and they, the, the system's fine and they, they just, they'll get better they showed some life last night the Kaiser I've never seen such a good shooter have such a high and he's a kid I'm not making fun of him have such a high arc my god yeah, it's, he's awesome got a big time arc yeah love it though Oof. I love it oh I, I love yeah, he's it got too. a big arc he's, he's a soft he's a bigger kid too um mm-hmm. And you know he had he had a couple of, he had several steals in the game last night. I mean he had that bad oh, yeah, foul, yeah. obviously. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah no. That's did you see Kevin's face on that foul? Oh, oh you were at the game. You didn't see it on TV. I see, didn't see it, but I can only imagine. Were you sitting in the uh, the Sultan of Brunei seats? No, 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 no. I mean they were they, they were good ones, but not those. <laughs> okay. not, so I, no, he didn't. He didn't go. He had to work last night. Um, yeah, I know. I'm just mustard. But I they they cut away to Kevin at, on TV after that foul. And I mean, I mean, I love Kevin. It looked like a ketchup bottle. He was so red. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And then he did a wonderful coaching job. Got him off. Once he realized that it was his fifth foul, the kid didn't even realize it was his fifth foul. He fouled out. 
He walks over and he's going to the bench and Kevin kind of grabbed him. I, and I said to Valerie, I said, this is why Kevin's good. This is a teaching moment. It's a freshman. You can't make that foul. You're not going to scream and yell at him like a, you know, like a lunatic. You got to right. teach him there. And he taught him there. It was good. I don't think Kaiser will do that again, but uh, my God, when he committed that foul, literally, literally, I almost chucked a, a bottle into the Christmas tree in the corner of the room. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But you want to hear something went, real quickly? And I'm pulling it up right now because yeah. Naki told me this. Um, I Maryland's net ranking, which, you know, is used, obviously, uh-huh. uh, for the tournament. And it's only December 7th, a day that will live in infamy, by the way. Maryland's yep. net ranking is 185. I don't Ooh. think in the history of the net ranking or in, you know, RPI or anything, I, I don't think I've ever seen Maryland with a, a, a ranking lower than like 70. They're 185. That's what happens when you get blown out and can't score in the two games that you had before last night. They were actually worse. They were 205 before last night. So they got a long way to go, but a long season left to get back into tournament contention. Long way to go, long season left. And as I texted our boy last night after the game, this 16 wins in a row at home is, is not insignificant. That's significant. And if they hold serve at home in the Big Ten, then last year they went undefeated in the Big Ten. Let's say they lose one. If they hold serve at home, you get a couple of wins on the road. Because we're in the Big Ten, we're going to make the NCAA tournament. All right? Yeah. The, the, non-con- the non-conference has not helped us. But It's not a Florida State-ACC yeah. situation where you're just going to get screwed. If you go 500 or better in the Big Ten in basketball, you're going to make the NCAA tournament. So hold serve at home. Yeah, the the, 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 the the non-conference schedule is going to hurt. There's no question. But if they go 500 or better, it'd be better if they went you know, a couple games above 500. But if they go 500 or better in the Big Ten, I still think you get massive consideration for the NCAA tournament. And that's really you know, the roll. stated goal. You know, let's get in. I am I, I talk about clock management. I'm not very good at it today. Uh, you're the best. Always enjoy it. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Steve Sands, Golf Channel. Some Denton news next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 